Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Well, good morning or good afternoon, good evening, whatever the case may be, and welcome to yet another great podcast courtesy of the Social Sciences team, Agents of Change here at Southern New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire University Global. I'm Dr. Jeff Zarnick, Associate Dean, Department of Criminal Justice here at SNHU Global, and we're really, really very, very fortunate today. So students, listen up to what Secret Service agent in charge Tim Benitez has to say about cybercrime and what it takes to become a cybercrime investigator, what they're facing. So as an example, during the pandemic, more people, as you know, wanted to access sports and entertainment from the safety of your homes. However, in the past year or so, digital pirates around the globe have profited from this consumer demand by offering what illegal access to digital content. So there's a little snippet lead in, but we have special agent Tim Benitez with us. He is a, a cyber investigations leader for the United States Secret Service with experience in the development and management of a team of highly trained cyber investigators focusing on network intrusions data breaches, ransomware, and data exfiltrations. He has over 20 years of experience as a special agent with the United States Secret Service, and his areas of expertise include cyber investigations, risk assessment, risk mitigation, compliance, and executive protection. He was assigned to the Presidential Protection Division in Washington, D.C., where he conducted security operations for international and domestic presidential visits, as well as he's held senior level close protection assignments managing other agents. And he currently holds a top secret slash SCI clearance. Welcome, Agent Benitez, and thank you once again for uh, coming to our Agents of Change podcast. What can students expect in the wonderful world of cybercrime? What are you dealing with, Tim? What's your, what's your day like? Great. Well, thank you uh, so much, Jeff, for having me here. I'm happy uh, to speak to the future of uh, our country and the students at SNHU. It's really um, great to be here. Um, what we're seeing, we're seeing a whole host of things. As you said, you mentioned um, you know, COVID, and I think there's been a great uh, demand for services over the internet. Um, and that has exacerbated the situation with uh, cyber fraud. Um, here in New Hampshire, um, we're really trying to push the envelope in uh, cyber fraud, and we've created um, uh, the New England Cyber Fraud Task Force. And we uh, partner closely with uh, local law enforcement. Uh, we have some offices from Nashua, Concord, Manchester, and uh, Grafton County Sheriff's Office, and their uh, task force offices, so federally deputized, uh, they can walk in uh, to the U.S. Attorney's Office here in New Hampshire with me and uh, really partake in the investigations that we're uh, conducting. Uh, 
this uh, and their skill sets are uh, developed uh, through a program that we have um, at NCFI, which is a congressionally funded training center uh, that is in Hoover, Alabama. And um, that's the National Computer Forensic Institute. And uh, there's a whole host of uh, training that is available free of charge to local law enforcement, prosecutors, and judges. Um, and we've really taken advantage of that uh, in the last five years uh, since I've been in, in New Hampshire. And uh, really excellent um, um, uh, really excellent uh, law enforcement personnel in the state here that are uh, uh, quite impressive. You may not see them because uh, they're not out on the road. They're behind the computers. But they are gathering uh, digital evidence for every crime that has taken place uh, in New Hampshire um, you know, to further prosecution and, uh, you know, most importantly, to provide uh, confidence uh, to the general public in our law enforcement community, uh, that we have a set of standards when it comes to evidence, because there's so much evidence on, uh, on the digital world now, um, that this evidence is uh, critical, uh, you know, whether uh, when we're gathering it, uh, of course, through, um, you know, subpoenas or search warrants, um, and that we're able to uh, piece together crimes and uh, make our state safe. So walk us through a case, Tim. I, I, I hearken back to my days when I was with Manchester PD and I was doing crimes against the elderly in the senior services unit, et cetera. And it was right at the end of the 90s and the beginning of uh, the 2000s. And the Internet really started to grow, et cetera, and access started to grow. But I also recall how difficult it was, you know, to find, develop, incorporate, include, et cetera, evidence you know, of a crime utilizing the computer as, as, as rough as it was at the time or raw or in its earlier stages. So what does it take to build a case? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it's, um, of course, for, uh, many of us folks, I've been in law enforcement for 20 years. Um, there are many people that are, are, are shy of, uh, the internet or, or, um, not able to gather that, uh, evidence. Um, and that's something we're trying to teach, um, all, all people that um, there's a tremendous amount of evidence in the digital world. Um, so in order to gather that information, I, I think it's just, it, it's oftentimes I say it's an investigation within an investigation. Because I'm just, as a law enforcement personnel, um, if I'm investigating a, uh, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing here in New Hampshire is business email compromise cases where someone is either spoofing an email address or just uh, or have gained access to your Microsoft Outlook and then may divert um, certain emails uh, to an inbox while the perpetrators are overseas that have access. So it's just a matter to understand, um, and we do this through the training center in Alabama, is understand how someone can exploit um, you know, your email and then how do we go find what was exploited? And then we need to uh, digest that and then be able to articulate that to uh, prosecutors so we can get um, you know, more legal uh, uh, paper of subpoenas or search warrants uh, to get um, uh, more evidence. So by no means is it easy. Um, I will say that. But it's not impossible either. Um, many of the crimes uh, we're seeing here um, still to this day, um, 
are probably 70% socially, uh, people being socially engineered, um, where is, if our cybersecurity hygiene was, um, was better, um, you know, they may not become a victim. And, and that's why I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you to talk about prevention. Um, you know, a lot of times, I know recently we had two cases in New Hampshire. One town sent uh, $1.7 million, and the other town sent $460. Uh, $1,000. And that was a simple, not a simple, but that was a business email compromise case where uh, someone went out, uh, gathered information on the internet about an upcoming invoice or project that was taking place. They perpetrated to be this company that was going to get paid. They sent an email uh, to the town and the town, um, you know, was, was fooled by the email. and they ended up uh, send, changing the bank account information and sending it out. Luckily, the $1.7 million was never cashed. And uh, just recently, the $460,000 was sent back to the uh, second victim. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, we need to really pay close, close attention and uh, you know, be on guard for you know, changes of uh, bank accounts. Um, you know, hover over that email address and make sure it's um, uh, you know coming from where it's supposed to be coming from. Uh, use the websites to call up the companies, uh, not just the number that they provide in the email address. Um, so those are, there's tons of things that can be uh, done to mitigate the problem um, for the general public. How hard is it to prosecute? Because it does seem, it does appear that most of the perpetrators, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, are overseas. It's an international issue. Are you able to make any arrests? Yes. Uh, we will be um, extraditing somebody from uh, Hungary um, sometime this summer. So, um, you know, there were some Romanian uh, nationals that came in and did some ATM sk- skimming in New Hampshire. And we'll be extraditing one of them back to the United States. I think in the past five years, um, you know, such as uh, the world has gotten closer to everybody via the Internet, um, global law enforcement has really gotten closer. And uh, we work uh, jointly with um, place uh, with, you know, foreign law enforcement entities. Uh, We work closely with um, Europol um, and Interpol. And um, we've been making strides in the last five years um, in, in order to um, uh, reach out and get some of these people. Now, there are times when um, people may not leave a, a country for a while, but if there's a, a red notice on them, um, they're probably going to at some point leave to go on vacation somewhere where we could um, apprehend them. Uh, it just takes time and patience. When you do make these arrests and you successfully extradite, extradite them back, what are, you, what are we looking at relative to punishment? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know, always we'd like to see, uh, you know, the, the, punishment, the punishments equal um, to, uh, to their acts. Um, but unfortunately, I think a lot of violent criminals and uh, street criminals have moved towards the financial sector um, because you know some of the punishments are not as harsh as um, as, as traditional uh, you know gang related or or or, or, uh, 
of violent crimes. So, um, you know, two to five years we're seeing um, is about the time you'll spend. Um, but it also depends on, on numerous factors. But uh, just for, for a ballpark figure, you know, two to five years. Now, how about recovery of lost funds? You had a couple of success stories here in Manchester, in New Hampshire itself. Is it is it better sometimes just to negotiate a settlement where you can recover the funds? Uh, is that does that happen? It does happen, and actually, we had a victim in uh, in Salem that um, was compromised by foreign actors that uh, were purporting to be a tech help. Uh, they accessed um, her computer. And, um, you know, went into her bank account and uh, moved uh, uh, approximately, um, you know, $750,000 out of her account. Um, Time is of the essence. That money was moved uh, to cryptocurrency. And we did uh, eventually seize, um, you know, approximately eight Bitcoin and some other uh, smaller cryptos. Uh, And we... uh, that will be processed through asset forfeiture and she'll be able to petition to get that money back. But that was probably only half of what she lost. So, um, you know, prevention is key on this stuff. Um, um, and, and in terms of speed and quickness, um, because the banking system is rapidly moving quicker. Um, and we need to be able to get, uh, you know, within 48 to 72 hours, uh, to be talking to the banks to try to get that money back. Do the banks normally cooperate, or they, or do they kind of circle the wagons? No, I would say on um, both uh, banks, uh, traditional banks, Secret Service has a long tra- uh, history of working with banks from our days in counterfeit money, you know, in credit card fraud. That the bank investigators, you know, really enjoy, and uh, we enjoy working with them. And uh, cooperation is the key to to law enforcement. Uh, uh, angle uh, from from a financial crimes uh, standpoint, um, you know, to be able to work quickly, uh, trust one another, uh, and identify fraudulent accounts before more money is moved is key. Um, and even so, even uh, many of the uh, cryptocurrency exchanges have been cooperative as well. Um, uh, you know, the problem lies. In this cyber world, uh, you know, cyber fraud task force that we're developing here in the in the state, is that many of these actors are extremely compartmentalized, extremely sophisticated in in their act actions, um, you know, and, and they break apart and they sell different uh, different different parts of the criminal activity. So, you know, one actor may sell just bank accounts that have been opened by romance scam victims victims. Another person might just be selling access to companies. So, um, uh, and, and the majority of times, um, victims in the United States and victims in New Hampshire are being targeted by foreign actors. Um, you know, and regardless of whether it's um, a, an organized criminal group, um, someone in high school or college that is just searching the web, or a, um, um, a a state-sponsored actor, you know, they're they're all damaging uh, victims in the United States, and a lot of times this money, if not all the times, is being sent outside of the United States. Um, so it's really an attack on on, on our uh, citizens and our uh, way of life here in the United States. Tim, what countries do most of these bad actors come from? 
Uh, I would say that it um, it generally uh, moves around. Um, I don't want to identify one one uh, country per se, but I will say back in the uh, similar to back in the days, I'm, I'm sure of uh, policing. Um, as soon as one you know uh, group of individuals on a street corner learn of a new scheme, you're going to see that pop up on every other street corner. You know these folks talk in um, uh, in the dark web or or forums. And uh, they passed the word. You know that's exactly what happened during the uh, COVID uh, fraud scheme when people were, um, you know, uh, fraudulently applying for unemployment and uh, you know, pay, uh, PPP loans. Uh, as soon as one person found the way around the system, they blasted it all over the internet. And then you know, uh, those de- those um, systems that were processing. Um, those claims were just uh, overburdened with the amount of fraudulent uh, applications. Yeah, that made some pretty big news. I forget what the total loss was, but it was in the uh, what was it? Do you remember, Tim? How much the aggregate number was? I, I think, uh, unfortunately, um, um, you know, I, I it's it, it is uh, dramatic. Um, I, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head what the number was, but I know it was in the. Um, uh, supposedly in the billions. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, it's shocking. It's monumental. So two, kind of two questions here. Number one, for us, the civilians and the victims, are there any telltale signs? I mean, what kind of warning signs are available for someone to say, hey, this is phishing or whatever it may be. This is something, there's something wrong with this request or email or whatever. Are, are there things that they can look for? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the easier things, um, and, and I'm all about uh, risk mitigation, is, um, you know, hover over the email address. You know, if, it's, if it says, um, if you're looking for something from uh, Atlas, uh, ABC Atlas or, or plumbing, you know, their email domain should be atlasplumbing.com. And a lot of times you can check that by their website or if you have an email address. So if something's coming over at... Uh, atlasplumbing at yahoo.com, you know, that's, that may not be their, their domain. So just try to check their domain. Uh, misspelling in email addresses is a common, uh, a common telltale sign. Uh, these are some of the basic ones. And then, um, you know, the more complex ones are any sort of email that is asking for you to, you know, reset or change your password when you haven't prompted that um, company to change your password. Uh, what they'll do there is, um, if they're looking to get your password, unfortunately, uh, like myself, I'm guilty of it. I might have the same password for many different sites. So if I click on a link to change my Netflix password, you know, I, it might be the same password for um, my Amazon, my bank, whatever. And then they just kind of try to stuff that password that they have into other of other accounts of yours uh, using that email address that you know um, you have or your first letter, uh, last uh, first initial to your first name and your last name, and then try to log on with that um, password. And I think I have an entire disk of passwords. <laughs> you know, you try to commit it to memory, it's an absolute memory is an absolute nightmare. But I would say change your passwords and change them often, and maybe record them off site. I would assume there's that. Okay, so students, listen up. What type of skill sets do they need to develop in order to be 
in a position like you're in? What do they need to know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, in this day and age, um, you know, the curiosity and the desire to continually want to learn about technology um, is very important. Um, you know, wh uh, whether it's YouTube videos or, or, or any other learning device, um, whether it's, you know, setting up a um, Bitcoin wallet and figuring out how you could, uh, you know, buy it buy a dollar of Bitcoin. Understanding these technologies and how they operate is is really, really um, vital as a law enforcement professional because it'll give you that curiosity to continue to learn an investigation. When I get a case presented to me, um, I'm probably going to have to Google something involved in that case, whether it's understanding, um, you know, uh, whatever uh, whatever program or they were defrauded, I have to understand how that program operates. What um, what factors you know are involved in um, you know uh, maybe a bank account or uh, setting up for a loan? Uh, what is checked? There's so many intricacies that could lead to uh, pieces of evidence uh, that it's important to be curious. Um, so. You know, I would say that's 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 really from a law enforcement perspective. The curiosity to want to learn from a technical perspective is is um, is very is is very vital. Um, so the characteristics and traits of an investigator, especially with something like this, where there can be a tremendous amount of tedium, follow up, very time consuming. So, what are some of the what are some of the skill sets that really, in a way, can't be taught, right? They have to be somewhat, they have to be somewhat innate. What are, what are those that makes for a successful uh, cybercrime or slash fraud investigator? Um, the, uh, yeah, the innate, the innate quality, I mean, to be an investigator, um, you, know, you have to understand how processes work um, in a technological world. Um, and you have to be curious as to how, they can be exploited. So I, I think um, from the technical perspective, it's always important that you're uh, questioning um, things. You, you know, you don't want to be questioning everything in life, but um, you certainly want to question, well, how can that be vulnerable? Um, you know, what piece of evidence can I get from a phone these days? Um, you know, your Google account, uh, your Google account alone um, your Apple ad ID tracking. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of data that's available that people just don't realize. Um, and at the end of the day, when you're trying to catch somebody that's not living in the state that you're in, you got to be relentless. You have to be relentless in terms of um, 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 really have a, a desire to help the victims uh, that are out there. Is there an atypical victim, Tim? I mean, uh, people that are more vulnerable to these types of, uh, or more, say, susceptible, maybe it's because they're, they're getting older and some of those filters or protected devices in their mind may have, maybe they may be in decline, or is it, is it just a wide open field of potential victims? No, I think it's a, I think it's a wide open field. Um, you know, some people just, uh, as we, as I said, we moved to a technological world. Some people may not understand that technological world. And when you click something, you could be providing somebody access. Um, and then there is, unfortunately, there's a really sophisticated things like, um, uh, you know, foreign actors have, have um, 
It's called RSOX VPN, where foreign actors have uh, compromised um, residential modems and they use those IP addresses so uh, they can perpetrate crimes because you know you can't open up a bank account with a foreign IP, so you need an IP from the United States. So uh, something like that is uh, going to be hard to catch, uh, and it takes a long time. So um, whether it's uh, not understanding the technology or just um, maybe not being astute when you get uh, emails or um, it's easy for me to say, and I understand that because I, uh, I, I live and breathe this stuff. Uh, but when you get an email and someone says to change your bank account and then you utilize the phone number that they provide, um, and then when you call them, uh, they have, uh, it's very difficult to understand uh, them. Uh, those should be all triggers that, that, that go off in your head and say, oh, maybe I should check this again. There are, fear is a great motivator, right? And uh, I, 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 I'll just say this. It seems like every five or 10 minutes in whatever form of media, whether it's radio, and I have the radio on pretty much during the day, like every five minutes I'm hearing these commercials for some sort of preventive measures. Let's call it LifeLock, et cetera. Um, I think what I'm always hearing, I'm being bombarded with a is the home title lock and how, you know, I'm sitting there, am I going to lose my house? I mean, they really pump the volume up on these, these things you can buy to protect yourself. What's your opinion on those? And, you know, how, how educated should a, should a consumer be, uh, you know, relative to purchasing some of these protective assets? I would say uh, never, never be embarrassed about being a victim. Anybody can be a victim. Um, that's first. Number two is I live and I preach um, my life that my uh, uh, PII, uh, my, my social security number, date of birth, my name, uh, you should understand that your PII has already been compromised. So with the three credit bureaus, you should freeze your credit. Um, in terms of bank accounts and credit cards, um, luckily for a credit card scenario, your credit card will be stolen. At some point, uh, luckily, you call up the credit card company, and you, and you usually don't have to pay anything. Um, they're pretty good in terms of a bank account. That is where it's extremely difficult, and you need to be extremely careful. If you are uh, duped into uh, sending money uh, via a bad uh, an email address that the guy it was fraud, when you tell the bank to send that money, you're directing the bank to send it. There is no mechanism to get that money back. So online banking. And business email compromise is the number one threat um, that I that I see a victim can get really really hurt. Yeah, I noticed my I, I keep a close eye on that because I can't tell you how many how many times I've had to change out a debit card. You know, like I did yep. not purchase a PlayStation in in California. You know, I mean, I look at those, but I also look at some of these. Tim, uh, sometimes I've seen that they do a dry run. You know, I look and say, wait a minute, what's this dollar charge and who is that? That type of thing. Is, do do they do that? They kind of like tap into the account to see if you're paying attention. Yeah, you know, usually they're testing that that account. Um, at, in order to make it, in order to make sure it works, and then they're going to be selling it on a forum, so they'll test it, and then they'll they'll look to sell it to somebody else, um, and they make sure that it's 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 a, a valid credit card number, because um, in these online forums, these uh, users you know have uh, ratings, you know five star ratings, so 
they want to make sure they have the highest rating so they can charge the most money for the number of cards that they have. Well, the more I hear about this, Tim, the more flabbergasted I am. And I tell you, sometimes I just wish we'd go back to, you know, coins. (laughs) (laughs) uh, This whole digital world has opened up a can of worms. But apparently it sounds like there's a tremendous amount of employment opportunities for students. So if a student is interested in this, what's your what's your recommended career path, Tim? Yeah, I would, you know, the cybersecurity programs are great. Um, uh, you know, try to get some internships if you can. Those are hard to come by, understand. Uh, you know, you could uh, easily go into the private sector and, uh, you know, into the IT field. Um, you know, federal government and local uh, law enforcement is another great avenue. Um, you know, one of the things that's easy to do is you can go to usajobs.gov uh, and you could uh, search, um, you know, uh, forensic analyst and you'll see all the jobs that come up in the job descriptions and you could just read what those descriptions are. That's what they're looking for. Um, and don't be afraid to be self-taught. Um, you know, some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the tech field, you know, as they say, they haven't graduated college. So, um, Sometimes you really got to think outside the box and um, and really, uh, like I said, get hands-on with technology. Tim, words of wisdom, and I, we can't thank you enough for that. And just to let the students know, if you'd already, you don't know now, we do have a very healthy four-course cybercrime concentration developed by experts like Secret Service Agent Tim Benitez. Again, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to enlighten us and yes, scare the daylights. I'm just kidding. But no, in all in truth, we need to know these things because it just seems to be a never ending high. It's always expanding this particular universe of, of criminality. It's just awful. But Tim, thank you so much again for taking the time to enlighten all of us. I have learned something new every day. And, uh, and for nothing else, please be safe out there, Tim. I know you're dealing with some pretty bad people. Thank you again, Tim. Thank you, and have a great day. Good luck to everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.